1: And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network. And right now, let's start with Strange Things with Joshua P. Warren.
0: P. Warren.
3: I am Joshua P. Warren, and each week on this show, I'll be bringing you brand new, mind-blowing content, news, exercises, and weird experiments you can do at home, and a lot more. On this edition of the program, I interviewed my dad about the paranormal, and he had a surprise for me. Last year, I interviewed my mother, Peggy Warren, about her experiences with ESP. That was episode 21, called Joshua's Personal Proof of ESP. Well, my father, Danny Warren, recently turned 70, and he has never been interviewed by anyone In his entire life. So it was certainly time for me to bring him on the show to ask him about some of his paranormal experiences. And you know what? He surprised me. He got into a bad car wreck a while back and was in the hospital for weeks having surgery. He's okay now. But he was driving late at night with my mother in the mountains near Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Now at the time he told everyone he must have hit a bear, but now he's coming clean with the truth about what he may have actually hit on that terrible night. Honestly, he had never told me this before. So this was a true surprise captured live for this podcast. Now, my mom and dad were both born in Asheville, North Carolina, just like me and my sister Jessica, and they were high school sweethearts. They've been together forever, uh, living in the mountains, and when you hear me talk with them, you get an idea of sort of how they helped to inspire my enormous interest in the unknown. So, here we go. Here is my interview with my father, Danny Warren. Dad, when I was growing up, you were always telling me stories about history and religion and folklore and legends, and I was uh, deeply inspired by your curiosity and enthusiasm for those things. Did you grow up? with a particular storyteller around your family, or did you develop this interest in stories
4: on your own? I I believe really it probably was, uh, I'm kind of like you. We always have a lot of questions, but very few answers. So I think that kind of come, you know, I I, need to know some answers and and you do do too. So I think we just uh, went that route and figuring all this stuff (laughs)
3: so but was there ever anybody who would get around the campfire and, and tell you tales like this
4: uh, no not really that I know of I'm sure that they were like in, uh when I was in Boy Scouts or something like that but I don't remember it, too much of that stuff
3: so now when you were a kid uh, you know what are some of the most mysterious stories that you heard growing up
4: well, I guess probably the, the the most mysterious was one my my dad told me years ago. He didn't talk too much, but when he did, you know, I listened because I he he was more open with you than he ever was me because I you know he had a lot of memories of the war and stuff. But one time he, I asked him, I was trying to find out about my ancestors, and he told me about his his dad living out toward. Pole Creek is where he raised up. We were at that way one time, and he's saying, "Well, right up ours where I grew up." So, his dad, I think his name was Melvin. Now, I just barely remember him. He had a great little big handlebar mustache, and they were. He was, dad. Daddy was a thirteenth kid. I think he's the youngest of the thirteenth kids. So, that's a lot of kids back then. Yeah. Anyhow, Melvin, his dad was the only breadwinner around. So he, where they lived on Pole Creek, he had to walk through the dark woods over the mountain to a tannery over in Canton, And, uh, you know, that's how he made living. He had to get up like 4 o'clock in the morning because it probably took him a couple hours to get there by 7. And he'd he'd have to walk home at night, and it's always dark, usually, especially, you know, in the wintertime. And he had an old toe sack or... People call it burlap, I guess. He'd put his lunch in, Then he had a lantern he'd had to carry when he was walking through the woods. And I asked him one time, I said, "Well, did he ever come across any bars or mountain lions or anything like that? He said, well, my dad told me one time that he remembered that he saw witches dancing around on the ridgetops. And I thought, what, witches? He said, that's right, witches is what his dad told him. So I always thought that's pretty interesting, <laughs> definitely mysterious.
3: And so he didn't know anything more about who or what these witches were,
4: huh? No, he just said he had he, he had they were witches. He said how he knew that I don't know, but he acted like he had had a fire, a campfire of some sort, and they uh you know they danced around and nobody lived there. it was just old dark woods, you know. Uh, you walking through the you know, it was dark all the time, so that's kind of surprised me him to say that because he was, daddy had a he was pretty religious really, and uh, that surprised me him talking like that, but uh, you know, that's what he told me. <laughs> well, you
3: know, my first memory of hearing about. The Brown Mountain lights was you uh, singing the bluegrass song to the family and and telling me the folklore about the mountain. What was it about Brown Mountain and and that whole mystery that sort of captured your imagination?
4: Well, I, I, after I heard about him, I heard the song probably first, and I got my curiosity got the best of it. I thought, well, I'd like to check that out since it's not that far from us it's at Linville. So uh, one day, all of us, uh, I. Uh, your mama, and you, and myself, I think, I don't know if Jessica was born then, we went down and uh, see what we could see, and there's a look off on 181 that, that points toward Brown Mountain, so we went there, and and all of a sudden, it was it was dark, and it was really scary because no other cars were around. And all of a sudden, a little old light started coming up off the mountain. And then, in a few minutes, another one. And they kind of went across the light. I mean, across the ridge, and they shot off up into the sky. And I and I thought, man. And since then, we've been down there dozens of times, and all but one or two times, we saw those lights. And, and and they they were all kind of stories for years they said it was train lights and this that, and other but there's no train tracks there there's no cars there's no houses i think the state forest service owns that property but there's no way that lights is going to come through there and shoot up
3: so do you have a feeling about what they most likely are
4: well i'm not real sure they there's a lot of a lot of controversy about that uh and it's still a mystery, I think scientists have come here from all over the United States and probably the world and and tried to figure it out, but nobody's said anything concrete about what it could be. I've got my own theories, but i don't I don't know how much you know you you put into that
3: well let's let's hear a sample of one of your theories.
4: Well, I'm working on a little book right now, and I kind of wonder. In fact, it couldn't be some type of alien crafts. Yeah. So that's a possibility.
3: A lot of people have said they've had encounters with aliens up there, and, you know, even abductions have been reported up there.
4: Yeah, that's that's what I've heard, and nobody can say say that it's not. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, it seems that uh, many of these strange lights out in the middle of national forests are associated with people vanishing. Um, you know, the, we've we've talked before about like the missing 411 books and how that uh I don't know whether people are being abducted or carried off by Bigfoot or whatever. There are weird things in the ranges of West North Carolina. And you know you uh you were, were inspired by a lot of the stories that you've heard to uh write a book. Uh you wrote this years ago. It's called Ridge Hoppers. Uh tell us about that book okay we're going to take a break right there and when we come back you'll hear about my dad's book Ridge Hoppers. did you know that my dad was also an author <laughs> I guess you can see in our family the apple does not fall far from the tree and then of course uh, you will be hearing about the surprise that he had for me and all of us when he talks about what actually happened to him and this car accident. Um, okay, by the way, of course, you probably know that years ago, I created a new field of research called parasimatics. And the most popular sigil that I have created is called the money sigil. I get stories from all over the world every year from people telling me they have this sigil near them. And it's like a money magnet. Well, guess what? Finally at long last I have turned the money sigil into a line of shirts and Hoodies that you can go online and buy right now There's no better way to use it than to have this thing physically on your body All right, so um, and not just uh, shirts and hoodies But also I think there are some leggings with a wide range of sizes So if you want to get the money sigil um, clothing well, you gotta go to Warren dot com and click the link to the Curiosity Shop, and you'll find a link there to uh, T-shirts, et cetera, sigil T-shirts. I'm not sure exactly how it's worded. Uh, and and while you are there, especially if you go to the homepage, be sure to sign up for my free e newsletter. You just put your email address in there, you hit the submit button, you instantly receive an automated email from me with some links to some free digital online goodies that will immediately start helping you make your life much more magical, and you'll also get the very first scoop on new projects and experiments, and yes, sometimes I just randomly give away all kinds of cool things to people who subscribe to my e-newsletter at joshuapwarren.com. I am Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, and I will be right
0: back. it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. The Wizard of Weird will be right back.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments
2: I'm Sandra Champlain. Please make sure and check out my show, Shades of the Afterlife, heard right here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And now more Joshua P. Warren on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: Welcome back to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I am your host, the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren, beaming into your wormhole brain from my studio in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, where every day is golden and every night is silver. And now back to my interview with my dad, Daniel Warren. Everybody calls him Danny. And I was just asking him to tell us about the book he wrote, which is pretty much geared toward young
4: adults, called
3: Ridge Hoppers.
4: Well, that, that book, actually, I used what my grandfather did as far as crossing over into Pole Creek, over to the other side of the tannery. And he him uh and his wife i I made it that he had one son and they didn't know where he was at so a a little boy come to live with and his own uh, his grandson anyway he was going up the mountain one day and he encountered some little people and they were they were they were green and blue and red and all that and they would have a, a, a festival on top of the mountain and they were real mystical type people. It was magical too, and he went up there, and they were uh, they were witches up there, and they were playing music. And there's a, it's pretty interesting. And then he come back because he it, it, it had been a flood, and he couldn't cross the creek to go to his work, so he didn't even go to work that day. So he come back home late that night and told his wife and his grandson what had happened, and they wouldn't believe him basically. So he it. The story goes is he had to prove out to everybody that he he was telling the truth, and they found out in the end that he was.
3: So this is a work of fiction that's based on some of the real stories from your family's history.
4: Yes, yes, that's right. So,
3: And, and the website is ridgehoppers.com. Uh, if people want to learn more about that book, yes, yes. Well, and uh, actually, on Ridgehoppers dot com, um, you also feature some of your art. Uh, you're now one of the country's premier wood carvers. Uh, your hand carved walking sticks sometimes sell for hundreds of dollars in high end shops. You've carved uh, thousands of them. What attracted you to wood
4: carving? Well, wood to me is it's easy to work with, and all different woods have all of them seem to have different characters about them, and what I like about wood is what people most people you know they like a walking stick ain't like a straight stick. Well, me if the top is pretty straight and the bottom I don't care what's in the middle. What I like about it is is all of the knot holes and the imperfections and the galls and all the imperfections about it, and the, each of them's different, and it makes you think. You know, if you if you whittle it down to the bark, I mean, to take all of the bark off, you can see the grain. But the bark is what amazes me most. It's, it's different, and uh, like you saw, like on the sassafras, it's just an old brown looking tree or walking stick, whatever. When you shave the bark, you gets that beautiful reddish color, and it's just it's just amazing that the wood. I, I just the... It's, everything is individualized it's not even though it's a species of trees that you, you're dealing with everything is it's, they're all different just like people
3: well you're always studying the wilderness I mean you've spent a lot of time in the outdoors like you said you were a boy scout you were in the army you've been a trapper and a hunter and a farmer and a land developer so you've spent lots of time outdoors especially in the mountains of western North Carolina and you think that Bigfoot may be real is that right
4: well i i there's a lot of things i've seen uh, your mama and i we deliver our hiking sticks a lot of times to different states around and we come home in the dark a lot of times and i've spent so many days hours out in the woods and there's a lot of mysterious stuff out there that can't be explained actually to tell you the truth a year before last, we were coming through Maggie Valley in Haywood County, and I ran into something with the car and it told the car it just crushed the whole front of the car, and I didn't see anything. I was doing about forty five miles an hour and it hit so I as soon as it hit the airbags bags come open and the lights come out and the lights went on and I saw just the image of something dark is way up above the hood so i was hurried to get out because i was had internal bleeding and all this and i was trying to get your mother out of the car so i walked around to the front of the car i don't know i hit and i looked and there's a bunch of blackish long fur on the front of the car and there was a piece of undigested fish and uh i've been around buyers my whole life and uh bear scat is just a old tarry black, and it's usually got seeds in it. There was some kind of poop, or what do you call it there? And it and it was not a bear. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it run off into the woods. So I never did see it. And the highway patrolman he didn't want to go down into the woods to look for it. So I think he ended up putting putting that it was a bear that I hit. But there's there and I didn't never get a chance to put the brakes on when I hit it, and I thought. After, later our car was towed away and I went to the hospital and your mother did too and then they took me to the trauma center and they had taken spleen out and I had uh, internal bleeding I was in the hospital two weeks and I thought after that I'd for I'd love to, I'd take to give you a hundred dollars so I could get a strand of that hair and a, a bowl of that <laughs> poop or whatever it was and have him uh, DNA tested. Wow That's interesting I mean you know You know Bars have short hair Elks have short hair Deer have short hair Horses Everything does But this had long Furry black And brown hair Now what could that have been That's running around at night
3: Yeah you'd think that There would have been some more definitive evidence. If you'd hit a bear, I mean, it's that is really weird.
4: Yeah, uh, and it was it was Joshua. It was way up above the hood. You could see the the, the image up way up above the hood. It wasn't, a bear would have been. He might have been hood level or a little bit more. But this was way up. I don't know what it was. I can't definitively say there was a Bigfoot, but I can't say it's not. It's good possibility, Joe. You know.
3: Well, this has certainly fired up your um, your curiosity because uh, you have this Bigfoot hotspot retreat that you and Mom and Jessica and a lot of our friends are going to be producing October 15th and 16th of 2022 in Madison County, North Carolina. Uh, tell us more about what you're going to do out there.
4: Well... I I looked at the map, and, and Madison County, I've, I've heard my whole life about it's a Bigfoot hotspot. People, hundreds of people's told me that. Madison County is kind of in the center of the Pisgah Forest. If you go west, you go toward Yancey and Avery and Mitchell and, and McDowell County. A man called John Bruner has a picture of a Bigfoot at Lake James in Marion. You heard of John Bruner, probably.
3: I've heard the anyway, name, He yeah.
4: he, he, had, he has a picture. Okay, if you go west from Madison County, you run into the rest of the Pisgah National Forest, and it runs into the Smokies, and uh, the Nantahala National Forest, and, uh, and great Smoky. Matter of fact, right there just is in Maggie Valley where I hit whatever I hit, and that's right close to the Smokies. probably within 10 miles of the Smokies. So... Madison County is just a, a hub, really, as far as I'm concerned. And not only that, not, uh, taking to account all the reportings, a man out there told me that he hunts all the time, and he was in the general area where we were going to have to hunt, and he said that it was 8 and 10 foot high up in this higher. He'd found where pine limbs had been broke off of trees and something had made a bed on the ground with all them pine limbs. <laughs> So what could that be? What now Bear couldn't have done that or be- there ain't no beavers are down close. So I don't know what that they actually they wasn't sawed off, they were broke off. And so the-
3: I mean what, so how are you going to conduct this hunt? What is the plan gonna be?
4: Well, we've got a Bigfoot expert called Christian McLeod. He he uh, he's been in the Bigfoot for years and years and he's gonna lead the searches. We're gonna have two searches every night, two searches the 15th of October and two searches the 16th, and he's going to lead these, and everything will be over at midnight, and we're going to see what's out there, if you can find anything, and he, he knows how to conduct all this stuff, so we're going to have a a base camp where we'll have a, a campfire if somebody wants to eat their supper, uh, we're going to have bottled water. We're going to have porta potties. potties After they leave there, they better take a flashlight with them because they'll be with the the guide and uh, see what they can find out there.
3: Hmm. Yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting. I can't wait to get reports after that event from the people who go out there. And, of course, I'll be talking about it on, on this show. Um, well, you know, I guess – I I think you said this is the first time that you've ever been interviewed and uh, so I guess you know finally after all of your adventures in life uh, even facing death more than once possibly even having hit a Sasquatch uh, what have you learned is the meaning of life okay time for another break yeah I had to go there with my dad what is the meaning of life perhaps the biggest question i guess it is the biggest question but hey uh he helped bringing bring me into this world and uh you know my mom and dad both say that my sister and i were we were planned and so that's one of the reasons that i my wife and i chose not to have kids because i thought well i don't want to have a kid Because someday the kid might grow up like me And turn around and say Hey, explain everything Why did you bring me into this thing? What's the meaning of life? And I'd be like I got some hypotheses here But (laughs) No real answers Let's see what my dad says Shall we? I'm Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be back after these important messages.
0: Don't go anywhere. There's more strange things coming right up.
2: Hi, this is Ouija Board Expert Karen A. Dahlman, and you're listening to the iHeart Radio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: Strange things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren, and this is the show where the unusual becomes usual. Yeah, I asked my dad, who just turned 70 this year, what is the meaning of life? And here's what he said.
4: Well... Okay, I think the meaning of life is to go out here and do the best you can do and treat everybody right and, you know, carry on with life and uh, try to make the best of it because it's just hard to say what. I mean, Christ come into the world, and he had to come down here as a human to, as an example to everybody. So I think that that's kind of the way people ought to feel the same way like he did, that there's something bigger and better for us in the future. If, if, and he he taught righteousness, I hope, you know, that's the best way to be. And why way, while I'm thinking about it, I was doing a little research, and this uh, Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett both had encounters with Bigfoot. Really? Yeah, they sure did. It's, it's written down where they did.
3: I think Teddy Roosevelt may have had an encounter or, or he talked something about Bigfoot as well. And, uh, if anybody'd be out, out there running around with Bigfoot, it'd be Teddy Roosevelt, huh?
4: oh i'd say but you know they didn't come up with that it was some kind of like a, a little giraffe or something over in africa to like in the 20s or 30s they found a new species and so this could very well people talked to bigfoot for hundreds of years indian legends talked about bigfoot calling the hairy man and different names like that so why couldn't there be a bigfoot out there and they, they have a way of if they even die to get rid of, her, they're die, you know, whoever or dies or whatever. I mean, it's always a possibility.
3: All right. And so lastly, uh, before we end this interview, look, the floor is yours. Is there anything at all that you want to say? I mean, if not, that's fine. But anything else you want to stick in here?
4: Well, only thing, if people want to come and check this out and see – If there's a Bigfoot out there, this is supposed to be a place where they've been known to be seen, and it looks like it could be. And, uh, you know, who knows? That's the only way to find out is just search and look. Uh, You know, I used to hunt years ago and fish. I've I've hunted and fished all over western North Carolina, and I give that up years ago. I don't want to harm anything anymore. And uh, the more you can learn about stuff – It would be nice if I saw a Bigfoot, I wouldn't tell people where they were at because somebody would try to harm them. But I think I'm open to the people coming and have to search. And who knows, you might see one.
3: There is this debate out there over whether or not if a person sees Bigfoot, the person should shoot Bigfoot just to get one specimen to prove they exist. Uh, How do you feel about
4: that? I uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't shoot it. Uh, you know, if you could, uh, maybe uh, walk up to and get some of its hair or something like that, or, or see maybe some of its hair being scraped off on a fence or a tree. You know, Bigfoot. From what I understand, had, uh, they have rubs like deer. You know, when deer have antlers, and they uh, they take their antlers when in the velvet and scrub, rub their head. To, uh, they must itch apparently. Bigfoot scratches trees too I guess he itches like other people and so you know uh I, there's you see trees all the time and something's been rubbing on them you know eight and nine ten foot up an iron that, that couldn't be a deer that high so yeah. what what causes that <laughs> yeah definitely it's 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 a mystery and uh, you know we may never find out what it is but I, well, I'm sure going to try as long as I can.
3: All right, there was my interview with my dad. As you can see, it kind of sounds like that our family is both tortured and delighted and entertained by our curiosities. (laughs) Trying to to solve these mysteries. Um, But I'm really glad that even though we know we're never going to understand everything, that at least, you know, we're never going to get bored because there's a lot to think about, a lot to explore. And uh, dad, thank you for being on this show. I love you and mom so much. And I know my sister Jessica feels the same. And uh, it's just fantastic that uh, I've been able to have you and mom on this show to share your thoughts and experiences with the world for posterity. I'm very fortunate and I guess I got to interview Jessica next, but that might be heavily edited. There's no telling what my sister Jessica is liable to say. So <laughs> got, got to come full circle here and get Jessica on here. But no, that, that was great. And a very special thing for me to be able to talk with, with my parents on this podcast. And as you can all hear, I, I mean, like my dad is fired up about. The whole Bigfoot mystery, especially after having that accident where he may have hit a Bigfoot just like something out of Harry and the Hendersons, you know. Um, and so look, if you want to participate in this Bigfoot hunt in October of 2022 in Madison County, North Carolina, I believe that if you go to ridgehoppers.com, Um, you'll see a little information there, R-I-D-G-E-H-O-P-P-E-R-S, ridgehoppers.com. But, um, the easiest thing is just to, you know, email my mom. Uh, and that way, I mean, you can get details about how you can go out there with my mom and my dad and Christian McLeod and a bunch of other people who are experts in this, um, email. My mom Peggy at ridgehoppers at gmail.com. R-I-D-G-E-H-O-P-P-E-R-S at gmail.com. And again, I think if you just go to ridgehoppers.com, um, you'll have some information there as well, because I am going to be giving a report on this show about what happens there in the field and. Most of you probably know that I think that majority of Bigfoot sightings are the product of some kind of an interdimensional creature. And a lot of people have trouble believing that because that they don't realize that an interdimensional creature is not like a ghost that you just pass right through when you're it's not like Casper, the friendly ghost. And you try to to hug him and you go through him. No, I mean. Uh, an inter an interdimensional creature is actually here, physically here. It's a real physical thing while it's here. And then it just disappears. And so that may be why that so many people think like Bigfoot has to be a physical thing because it is. But then they can't find it. And about seven years ago, um, I met Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum, who's one of the most esteemed Bigfoot. Sasquatch researchers in the world. And and by the way, I mean, I've been looking into Sasquatch and Bigfoot my whole life. Um, even before I got into Ghost, I was reading books as a kid. And then, you know, I know Lauren Coleman very well. Uh, I have hired him to speak at events for me. We have spoken together at events, and um, I mean, I, I I really have always been very open-minded about this whole thing. So anyway, I was looking back at some of my notes about meeting uh, Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum back in 2015, and I asked him uh, face-to-face if he thinks that Bigfoot has to be just an ordinary biological organism, and he said that he thinks Bigfoot is absolutely an ordinary ape-like creature. And when I asked him why we don't have more hair, scat, etc., he said that it's simply an extremely small population and that we are not used to dealing with extremely small populations of extremely large, intelligent animals. So, you know, it's like I, one of the things that I, makes me think that. That may be true, but it's also interdimensional is because we have reports from all 50 states every year. We've gotten very good at documenting normal physical animals, but we can barely grasp the idea of interdimensional life forms. And it makes sense to me that we can only explain all these sightings, if they're true, by applying the concept of a creature that is not the ordinary biological type. That's just what I think. Okay, But I do believe that people have these encounters with Bigfoot, and hopefully you can see how I bring those two together. And it's actually quite interesting... Uh <laughs> <laughs> to show you just the extent to which I am intrigued with Bigfoot, um, you may or may not know that I have released a new brand of paranormal coffee. I, this is something I've been working on for years. And uh, one of my coffees is called Bigfooter Brew. And just to give you an idea of how this came to be, I have for about 20 years had a good friend who is an expert in the gourmet coffee business. She lives in North Carolina and I I love coffee, but I'm not a big coffee drinker. And so she started sending me samples of different like five star coffees and saying, like, try this blend and try this blend. And I started really enjoying these blends. And it became kind of a fun thing at my house. Like, I, I would, uh, so I started taking notes on these different blends, and I thought, well, you know what? If I love this coffee, maybe my audience will. So I picked these three coffees because they tasted wonderful to me and because that I thought to myself, if I were going to go on a ghost hunt, I think I would bring this coffee with me. To keep me alert and all that, you know, or if I was going to go out for a night searching for UFOs, I would want this coffee. It has a little bit of a cerebral effect, opens the mind. Or if I was going to sit around that campfire looking for Bigfoot like some old cowboy, I would use this. Co- and I, I picked these coffees. And uh, when we come back from the break, I want to tell you about these coffees and my new coffee brand, uh, which is available right now. And then I want to read to you an email, uh, actually a couple of interesting emails I've gotten. One of them is about dreams that come true. I'm Joshua P. Warren, and you are listening to Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. There's
0: more strange things coming right up.
1: The Art Bell Vault never disappoints. Classic audio at your fingertips. Go now to coasttocoastam.com for full details.
0: Channels Channels for you. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information.
2: You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Heard on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite shows.
3: This edition of Strange Things on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joshua P. Warren. And yeah, I, uh, (laughs) I have my own brand of coffee now. And here's the thing. This is not just a gimmick. This is good stuff. Okay, these are artisan blends roasted in small batches and shipped fresh. Uh, The bad news is currently we can only ship to addresses in the United States. Uh, So I've called this Close Encounter Coffees. And so I have this flagship Close Encounter Coffee. And then I've got the Banshee Brew. So like, you know, Close Encounter Coffee, that's that's what you want if you're going to go on a UFO hunt. Or the Banshee Brew if you're going to go on a ghost hunt. And then the Bigfooter Brew, duh, you know, you're going to go... And, uh, Sam Sheeran, who I believe is the best artist in the world, produced these beautiful labels for these bags. And so, uh, look, if you, if, if you want to just try it out, um, you can, you can buy one of them and try it, uh, or you can buy us all of them and try them. But if you actually subscribe to one of them, or all of them. Well, you, you'll save money, uh, because you get free shipping. And then every month, what is, what a nice surprise it'll be to have a nice fresh bag of this artisan coffee that appears in your mailbox right when you need it. So look, just don't take my word for it. Um, read all about it. Go to the website. You'll see a video there. You can click a link where I'm talking more about this and, and why that this is something that I've never done before, but I'm doing it now. And I guarantee it. Okay. I guarantee that you will love this and you'll get hooked on it. You'll pick your favorite one just like I have. And, you know, you'll use it probably every day. You know, this will be your like regular coffee. Uh, go to closeencountercoffees.com, closeencountercoffees.com. And, uh, <laughs> you will see very soon, I'm sure, why that I have fallen in love with. These coffees and why that I put my name on them. You know, I could have taken some old cheap coffee, coffee and like slapped my name on Nah, I'm not just trying to make a buck here. You'll see. Um, uh, again, artisan gourmet blends. Okie doke. Let's get to the emails, shall we? You know, I did uh, a show not too long ago about dreams and dreaming and I got this email from Robert in Pennsylvania and he said, I was breeding mice and rats to feed my growing reptile pet collection at one time i had nine snakes and several lizards that ate live rodents in different shapes and sizes everything from pinky which is just day old mice to full grown rats at this time i was also camping a lot and i would often be gone an entire weekend sometimes a three-day weekend and on one of my three-day trips, I told my dad to check my rodents and make sure they had enough water. Well, he did not have to worry about feeding them, as they had plenty of food to survive until I got home. In other words, dad did not have to open any of the cages. Our old house was weird in the sense that there was only one light switch to the basement, and the switch was at the top of the stairs. You had to walk through the entire carpeted house living room, dining room, to get to the cellar door, which was in the kitchen. So whenever I would come home from camping, or we just got out of the creek from inner tubing, I would use the outside basement door so as not to track dirt all over the main house to get to the basement. But unless the sun was shining, we'd have to use a flashlight or feel our way through the dark basement until we found the stairs and then climbed them to the top to flip on the basement lights. Well, while I was camping, I dreamt that I was going down the stairs into the basement and I saw some of my mice running around loose out of their cages. And when I got home three days later and opened the outside basement door, I saw mice running around. After getting the lights turned on, I found that one of the cages my dad had opened uh one of the cages my dad had opened and forgot to put the lid back on. So did I dream of a future event or did I dream about it as it was happening miles away from my campsite? Okay, let me pause for a second. Look, I, it could be either of those, Robert, because, look, I have had dreams myself uh, that come true in the future. Okay. I'll give you a couple examples. When I was a kid, I've talked about this before. I was like in middle school and I had a dream about my science teacher going up in front of the class, wearing a certain outfit, sitting on a stool and telling us that she was taking a new job and she was never going to be our teacher. Uh, well, she wasn't going to be our teacher, you know? And, uh, and so the next day, um, that happened. So I dreamed that in the future. Now, uh, two days ago, I was sleeping late because I was up working all night and I had this dream uh, about being here in my house with my wife, Lauren and our dogs. And I looked over and there was this lizard, like some kind of gecko or something like that, you know, uh, sitting there and the dog started to go after it, but it didn't move. And it turns out it was dead. And then, like, I don't know, maybe. A minute after that, I got woken up because my phone, uh, I i kept it turned up and I got a text from Lauren. She had gone out to our swimming pool and she had found a dead lizard that had drowned in the pool that looked almost exactly like what I had dreamed. So I have no doubt I was dreaming about that incident as it was happening. So it can go either way when you're out of your body, you 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 can. Travel to other places or you can travel to other times, space time. It's the same thing. It's flexible. And then he goes on to say, I have heard this story about how if you dream uh, and you are falling and you hit the ground before waking up, you will die in your sleep. Have you ever heard this story? I do remember at least one time. I dreamt I was falling off a bridge and fell into the creek it spanned. And I remember I bounced awake in my bed. It was like I was really falling and landed in my bed. The bounce landing woke me up. And I'm thinking my astral spirit snapped back into my body. And since you mentioned that you dream you are flying. How do you land? How have you ever crashed? Oh, well, Robert, these are great stories and questions and okay. So uh, thank you for those. Uh, yes. Usually when I land, it's kind of soft, you know, it's, it's almost like I'm standing at the bottom of, of a swimming pool and I propel myself up and then I sink back down, but I have had uh, dreams in which I have fallen straight down and I'm waving my arms and nothing happens and I hit and I die uh I, that has happened to me and i'm i'm actually lying there face down and i know i'm dead and then i wake up after a while so i don't believe that if you fall and you die in your dream that that means you have to die uh in your physical body but see isn't it isn't cool to get you know feedback like that from Listeners after I talk about this stuff, uh, let me squeeze in one more email. This comes to me from a man named Charles. I'm not sure where he lives. And he says, I want to tell you about some success I have had with the good fortune tone and the sigils. I want to write and tell you my quick success story of using your good fortune tone and sigil. I was going to bingo on september 1st and decided to take a copy of the money sigil with me i put it on the table in front of me so i could see it and i also remembered that you sent me the free links that included a long version of the good fortune tone i put in my earbuds and listened to it on a 30 minute loop and i kept thinking i am a winner and i will win well guess what i won twice and he told me how much he won. I don't think I'll repeat that, but let me tell you, he says, not a bad night at all. I plan to try the casino next. Thanks. <laughs> well, congratulations, uh, Charlie. That's uh, wonderful. Please keep me updated. And that's the thing. Um, When you sign up for my, my uh, newsletter, you know, you get this kind of stuff that you can experiment with. And uh, that is why I believe that, uh, this whole show does so well, because we're always working together to have good fortune together. And so guess what? It's time for me to play the good fortune tone for you. I want you, if you can to close your eyes, if not, uh, you know, that's okay, but at least take some deep breaths, try to relax a second. This is only 20 seconds long. And if you meditate on this while you hear it, I think You might have one of the best weeks ever. Here we go. That's it. For this edition of the show, follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren. Plus, visit joshuapwarren.com to sign up for my free e-newsletter to receive a free instant gift and check out the cool stuff in the Curiosity Shop, all at joshuapwarren.com. I have a fun one lined up for you next time, I promise. So please tell all your friends to subscribe to this show and to always remember...